0: you're listening to the writing wall podcast and i'm your host stacy hawks every second and fourth saturday of the month i will be here at 6 p.m eastern standard time on anchor spotify apple podcast google podcast and many other platforms This podcast is designed for indie authors to have a platform to share their books, their poetry, and their stories. We also feature well-known and traditional writers that are from my home state of North Carolina, while also featuring local writers from my backyard right here in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Allegheny County. You can connect with us on Twitter at The Writing Wall or on Instagram at writingsonthewall85. And grab our links there to our website so that you can keep up with what's happening with our monthly newsletter. Newsletters go out the first of every month and you can also sign up to follow us on the Wix app because everyone has a story we want to hear yours. What is your story? (gasps) Woo! Welcome to the Writing Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Hawks, and thank you for joining us this Saturday. If you love historical fiction, and if you've read any of her works, then you know Susan Higginbotham is an astounding historical fiction author. Her meticulously researched novels have brought her awards, like the 2005 Civil Award from Forward Magazine, and the 2008 Independent Publisher Book Awards Gold Medal for historical military fiction. Her latest work is titled John Brown's Women, and Susan has worked as an attorney an editor, and lives in Maryland currently with her family. Susan, share with listeners a little about yourself, where you're from, and what genre you write.
1: Well, I'm originally from North Carolina, but I've moved up and down the East Coast. Currently, I'm in Maryland, Um, and I write mostly historical fiction. A little bit of biography, but mainly my last few books have been historical fiction. I sort of started out in the medieval era and graduated into the Tudor era, and now I'm mostly writing in the United States, so... I'm just sort of going around the globe.
0: (laughs) Tell us about your latest book titled John Brown's Women.
1: It's the story of John Brown told by the women in his family: his wife Mary, his teenage daughter Annie, and his daughter-in-law who has the odd name of Wealthy. His, of course, you know that John Brown was executed in 1859 for the raid in Harper's Ferry, and his wife Mary actually went down; she did not witness the execution. But she did spend the last night of John Brown's life with him. And his daughter Annie actually uh, went to what is called the Kennedy Farm, which is basically served as John Brown's base before his raid. And she spent, I guess, probably about two months there. And she helped hide his men. And she knew quite a bit of what was going to be planned. And finally, his daughter-in-law, wealthy, spent the turbulent years in Kansas with John Brown, Kansas, basically, in 1856, there was a conflict between advocates of slavery and so-called free staters, those who do not want slavery in Kansas, and that got quite violent, and John Brown and his family were right in the middle of that.
0: What inspired you to write this particular story about John Brown?
1: Mainly, uh, when I moved, I lived just about five miles from Harper's Ferry, and so that just sort of reawakened my interest. And it unfortunately, when it did reawaken my interest, I was in the middle of writing The First Lady and the Rebel. So it started to interfere with it just a bit. But finally, I managed to get The First Lady and the Rebel finished. And then I was free to answer the call of the characters from the John Brown book, who had been quite intrusive.
0: So let's talk about Mary Todd for just a moment. Her family was mostly Confederate, correct?
1: Right. And this was her half-sister Emily, who's the other... Heroine. Enway was a much younger half sister of Mary, probably about 20 years younger, and her husband fought for the Confederacy, as did many of Mary Lincoln's half brothers.
0: I often thought it must have been really awkward for President Lincoln to be in that situation because here he is, he's trying to preserve the Union, everything that our forefathers fought and died for, this great American experiment, and here her family is, and they're on the other side of things. They're Confederate.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it was very awkward because well at one point Emily actually came to the White House and the Lincolns kept that very quiet, but still it was, you know, somewhat controversial about the people among the people who found out about it. And then of course at the same time that Lincoln was being inaugurated, Jefferson Davis was being inaugurated, and a couple of Mary Lincoln's sisters actually showed up at the inauguration and you know went to all the parties and balls and they were very conspicuous. And of course, the newspapers pointed this out with great glee.
0: For many history lovers, our passion to understand the past and want to know more about it often comes early on. Was this a subject that you enjoyed learning about in school?
1: Oh, uh, to be honest, I really didn't care for it much in, in school. It was something I just became interested more in as an adult. How I became interested in historical fiction is sort of odd. I sort of have a tendency to get obsessed about things, and I read Christopher Marlowe's play called Edward II, which is about the very ill fated medieval king Edward II. And I just got interested in him, and so I went. This was when I was living in Apex, North Carolina, so I was not far from the UNC Chapel Hill Library. So I started going to go into the library and just uh, looked at everything I could about Edward II. And along the way, I discovered that he had a niece, uh, Eleanor de Clare who had a fascinating story, and it was just such a fascinating story. I said, well, why has no one written about her. And I did, I had tried to write some contemporary set novels before, but they never went anywhere, deservedly so. But I decided to try my hand at writing historical fiction. It just came about from there. I ended up writing a very long novel about Eleanor Declare, The trader's Wife, and then eventually I self-published it, and then it eventually got picked up by Sourcebooks.
0: You've written other historical fiction books that keep close to true events, among them Hanging Mary. Many would be surprised to learn that a woman actually hung for the part that her boarding house played in the planning of John Wilkes Booth's attack and assassination of President Lincoln. What can you share with listeners about that story?
1: Well, uh, I guess I've always been sort of interested in the Lincoln assassination. Of course, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. So, of course, we all took the obligatory field trip to Ford Cedar when I was in fifth or sixth grade. And it's just always fascinating. Lincoln has always fascinated me. So I basically sort of blended into the Mary Surratt story. I had been writing novels set in medieval England and Tudor England, but my editor at the time thought that they were getting a bit passé you know, the subject. So she said, Well, you know, let's try something a bit more temporary. And I just read a nonfiction book called The Conspirator about Mary Surratt. It was later turned into a movie by directed by Robert Redford. But anyway, I read The Conspirator and Mary Surratt's story interested me, so I started to investigate her and eventually she ended up as the subject of my next novel. And it was very really fun, it was the first novel I've researched set in the United States. And it was just so nice to be able to drive around and, I mean, I love going to Europe, but I can't, you know, afford to go there that often. So it was great. This time I could just, you know, drive where I wanted to go and, you know, go to the archives and I didn't have to deal with... You know, translating things from French or Latin. Everything was in nice plain English, which suits my simple personality.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I think there's just so much documentation, both primary and secondary, available for those looking to research and learn more about the Lincoln presidency or his assassination. I can just imagine how big of a help that was when writing both Hanging Mary and The First Lady and the Rebel.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, there's one book I bought this, you know, hardback book and, you know, it's probably about, uh, I'd say about three or four inches thick. Mary Surratt, well, she had a boarding house and she had a tavern and both houses are still standing. But the tavern is in Prince George's County and there's a research library that's been set up next to the tavern called the, I believe it's the John Hall research library. He was a great uh, researcher into the Lincoln assassination. He got the library named after him. But the resources there are just amazing because this man just collected, you know, everything he could find about the assassination. And he was just an obsessive researcher. So when he died, all his files came to the library. And it's just a treasure trove.
0: (laughs) So from U.S. presidents back through time, talking about Margaret Pohl and others, what is your favorite time period to write in and why?
1: Well, it's difficult to say. I think at the moment, it probably is in the 19th century, just because there were so many social changes and there's just so much documentation. You know, you have newspapers, magazines, periodicals, oh, diaries, letters, and there's just so much to discover there. And there's so many stories that already haven't been told from the
0: 19th century. <laughs> All historical fiction authors have a research process. Talk with us about yours for a moment. What types of documentation do you find most helpful when writing or focusing on a specific person, period, or historical event?
1: Well, usually I'll try to find a biography of the person in question, and if the person has no biography, I'll try to find, you know, a biography of someone, you know, close to them. That's what I had to do with my first novel, The Traitor's Wife, because, of course, you know, there are several biographies of Edward II, but none, of course, of his rather obscure niece. So, but once I get hold of the biography, I'll just follow up all the references in it. I try to... Use primary sources that is original documents in the period as much as possible. You know, you have letters, you know, court documents, you know, all sorts of things. And I try to look at those as much as possible.
0: Census records can also be a big part of historical fiction research, especially when researching real individuals. Do you find those to also be helpful in your research?
1: I do. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's with my current project, you know, it's been great as far as, you know, just tracking down what my character was doing at a certain time or, you know, where she was living or who was living with her. And you can actually find some surprises with that.
0: How long would you say it generally takes you to write a novel from the time you conceive the idea all the way to print?
1: I'd say probably about two years. I'm a slow writer and, well, I work full-time so that's some excuse, but mainly it's also because I'm a little bit lazy. But I'd say about two years. I probably do research for months before I actually start writing and when you're writing historical fiction, even if you've already done most of the research, there's always things that will, you know, come up while you're writing. You know, you'll need to find out well, could someone take this train? Was there a train there? You know, the train ran at night and all these, you know, nagging questions that, you know, if you don't answer someone somewhere is going to find out you're wrong. So you want to answer them as best you can.
0: Were there any certain facts that surprised you to learn when writing these stories? I'm having a hard time thinking of examples.
1: I mean, everything's a big surprise to me when I'm researching. Uh, But I guess with the First Lady and the Rebel, one of the things that just fascinated me was that on the night of Lincoln's assassination, Emily was actually uh, Emily Mary's half sister was actually just a very short distance away in Baltimore, and you know we're just you know fairly short train ride away. And I and I had to make use of that fact because she and Mary were pretty much estranged at this point. But it seemed a shame to have her there in Baltimore and not make a trip to DC. And in the end, I did make make her take that trip to DC before she left the area. I just could not resist doing that. <laughs> Oh, uh, probably, yes. I would have to find the right one. Actually, there was a minor character in Hang and Marry*. Her name was Sarah Slater. And she spent a lot of time in North Carolina. She lived in New Bern. And I think she was in Wilmington for a while. Her husband was a dancing master. He was basically an itinerant. He would go around the state, you know, teaching people how to dance. And I know there's advertisements for him in Raleigh and in Newburn. And Apparently he had a rather checkered uh, checkered career, I think, towards the, uh, he and his wife eventually got divorced, and I think he may have had a bit of a drinking problem. Because at one point there is a, I noticed in the Pittsburgh paper that there is a notice about someone by his name being kicked out of town because of drunkenness and because of some unseemly behavior, which seemed to be sexual behavior.
0: Are you currently working on another book, and if so, what can you share with our listeners? I'm
1: writing a book about Ernestine Rose, another novel. Ernestine Rose was a 19th century feminist. She was a Polish Jew who was also an outspoken atheist, and she's fairly obscure now, but you know, in her days, she was really one of the most prominent feminists in 19th century America. She was one of the first women to speak in public on behalf of women's rights, and... She's a really quite amazing woman. She campaigned in the 1830s to get the property laws in New York State changed so that women could vote. And this was in 18, I believe it's 37, when she had just arrived in the United States just about six months before. So she really wasted no time, you know, jumping into the life of her new country and you know taking active part in you know shaping its history.
0: What advice would you give to writers out there who are hoping to traditionally publish? Well, I would say just know your market, you
1: know, know what else is being published. Right now, there's sort of a trend in historical fiction towards World War II. But I would not advise when to write a novel and set in World War II if it's not something they're not interested in. Because for one thing, if you're not really into it, it will show. And for another, you know, the trend may be by the time you bring to market, you know, the trend may be gone. We may be back to medieval England or something. So I would say, you know, write what you love. You know, get find something that really fascinates you and write about it. Now, unfortunately, there are time periods that just aren't as popular but I think you can still carve out a niche for yourself if you really find a period and write about the passion.
0: Susan, thank you so much for being part of our season five. We encourage everyone to follow you and check out these amazing historical fiction reads. Well, I appreciate it. You can also catch Susan's Buy Me a Coffee extra when you visit us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the writing wall and become a member supporter so you can get free behind the scenes season five extras. Tune in on Saturday, September the 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we welcome John Hood, a Carolina Journal columnist and author of the novel Mountain Folk, a historical fantasy set during the American Revolution. When I come back, we're going to do the one thing everyone's been waiting for. That's right, shameless self-promo Saturday shout-outs. So stick around. Let's dive into our characters' backstories this Going Local segment. What writer out there does not like to learn more about their characters or create backstories for them. So some things to consider when you're writing your character's backstory. What is it that your character has that makes them kind of unique? Sort of like an heirloom, like an old ring that they wear, a necklace, a pair of earrings, maybe even a bad tattoo they got once for a friend or ex-girlfriend, boyfriend, a scar. Maybe they collect stamps or coins. How is it they required these things and how did it get started? For us here on the writing wall podcast we like to ask our authors what inspired you to write that story well that's because we want the backstory we want the origin of your book so as with book interviews consider interviewing your character for their backstory it's then that you can kind of take on the other part of that the juxtaposition which is what has your character lost a pet, a family member, a friend? Has there been a massive accident? Ones on health can even be used for that. A good example is Stephen Baldalci's character, Amos Decker, whom I absolutely enjoy reading about. And once you have that figured out, then you can figure out what your MC wants. For instance, what are their goals? These goals could have easily led them to a group of individuals like them who have the same interests and that you can add to your story as secondary characters. It's okay if you don't know everything about your character right off the bat. Character development is really hard and it's really complex and sometimes it just takes more time than what we would believe it would take but if it takes what it takes especially to get that character right and to make that character believable and relatable to the readers don't be afraid to question your characters either don't be afraid to go back and rewrite something because we all know how inspiration can be it can strike at any moment continually ask yourself when it comes to your characters how what when where and why and of course as always just make sure that their backstory flows with your plot line let us know who your favorite character's backstory is, fictionally or non fictionally. Tag us in a post on Twitter or find us at The Writing Wall or on Instagram at WritingsOnTheWall85. When I come back, we're going to do the one thing everyone's been waiting for that's right, Shameless Self Promo Saturday shout outs. So stick around. <laughs> You've finished your book, your beta readers have sent you their feedback, you're done with edits, and now you're ready to take the next step, formatting good news you can find all your formatting and author service needs with suzanne Monet and her author services that are now available on fervor writers and authors can reach out to her for a quote at sgmonet at gmail.com or visit her website https colon forward slash forward slash forward slash author services follow suzanne on instagram and twitter too or drop by our website today because we all have a story the writing while blogging podcast wants to help you share yours Let's do this shameless self-promo Saturday shoutouts are officially here. I'm going to be talking about a new author that's book is coming out on September the 6th, 2022. Her name is Judith Turner Yamamoto, and her book is titled Loving the Dead. And gone. You can visit her online on her website, turneryamamoto.com, or follow her on Twitter at jturneryamamoto. In Loving the Dead and Gone, a free car accident in the 1960s rural North Carolina puts in motion moments of grace that bring redemption to two generations of women and the lives they touch. A big celebratory congratulations to Judith Turner Yamamoto on Loving the Dead and Gone. We wish you all the best, Judith, with your debut. Next, we wanna give a big shout out to Alex McLaughlin on Twitter. You can follow him at Alex McLaughlin, or I'm sure you can find his book on Amazon.com. It's called The Water Girl. It starts with a letter from the dead. Confined to a wheelchair since childhood, Ursula is independent and successful. A letter from her supposedly dead mother draws her into a series of strange and frightening events that challenges everything she knows. So give Alex McLaughlin and his book, The Water Girl, a look next up author cd fox his debut novel is a psychological mystery thriller set in oxford london and kent you can find out more by following him on his website cdfox.weebly.com or arrowgatepublishing.com it's due for release in november december 2022 so we're on the countdown to that cd because the cover looks amazing you guys and gals out there can follow him on twitter at cd fox author if you would like to have your book or books given a shout out on our podcast keep an eye on our social media pages for our shameless self promo live Twitter announcements you can follow us on twitter at the writing wall or on instagram at writings on the wall 85. Be sure to check out our author from this evening on our Buy Me A Coffee page, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Writing Wall. You can also check out our articles and receive promotional assistance as well. Thank you for tuning in this evening. Because we all have a story, The Writing Wall Podcast wants to hear yours. What is your story? What is
1: your story?
0: Anytime I purchase a book, I always review, and if I really enjoy reading your work, rest assured it may be shared here on this podcast with my listeners and followers. Of course, I will do so with permission from the author or authors first. Please like, follow, and share this information with other writers, and if you ever need a writer's lift, visit me on social media. Thank you all again for being here for this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and learning more about the stories you weave.